Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels and to the Fifth Trooper podcast. Welcome to a special edition of the Notorious Scoundrels and the Fifth Trooper podcast. This is the State of the Legion Address. My name is Michael Berry, and I am joined today by Kyle Dornbos, David Zelenka, and Jay Shalansky. We'd like to start today with an excerpt from Matthew Stover's Revenge of the Sith novelization. Across the remnants of the Republic, stunned beings watch in horror as the battle unfolds live on the holonet. Everyone knows the war has been going badly. Everyone knows that more Jedi are killed or captured every day, that the Grand Army of the Republic has been pushed out of system after system. But this, a strike at the very heart of the Republic, an invasion of Coruscant itself. How can this happen? It's a nightmare, and no one can wake up. Because they know that what they're watching, live on the holonet, is the death of the Republic. Many among these beings break into tears. Many more reach out to comfort their husbands or wives, their creechmates or kin triads, and their younglings of all descriptions, from children to cubs to spawn fry. Here's a strange thing. Few of the younglings need comfort. It is instead the younglings who offer comfort to their elders. Across the Republic, in words or pheromones, in magnetic pulses, tentacle braids, or mental telepathy, the message from the younglings is the same. Don't worry, it'll be all right. Anakin and Obi-Wan will be there any minute. All the younglings watching the battle in Coruscant Sky know it. When Anakin and Obi-Wan get there, those dirty seppers are going to wish they'd stayed in bed today. The adults know better, of course. That's part of what being a grown-up is. Understanding that heroes are created by the Net, and that the real-life Kenobi and Skywalker are only human beings after all. If Even if they really are everything the legends say they are, who's to say they'll show up in time? Who knows where they are right now? They might be trapped on some separatist backwater, they might be captured, or wounded, even dead. Some of the adults even whisper to themselves, they might have fallen. The adults know that legendary heroes are merely legends, and not heroes at all. These adults can take no comfort from their younglings. Palpatine is captured. Grievous will escape. The Republic will fall. No mere human beings can turn this tide. No mere human beings would even try. Not even Kenobi and Skywalker. And so it is that these adults across the galaxy Watch the holonet with ashes where their hearts should be. Ashes because they can't see two prismatic bursts of real space reversion far out beyond the planet's gravity well because they can't see a pair of starfighters crisply jettison hyperdrive rings and streak into the storm of separatist vulture fighters with all guns blazing. A pair of starfighters, Jedi starfighters. Only two. Two is enough. Two is enough because the adults are wrong and their younglings are right. Though this is the end of the Age of Heroes, it has saved its best for last. Similar to the Clone Wars, this year has also saved the best for last. 
is our concluding episode of Year One of Star Wars Legion. We'll take a trip back in time to a galaxy not so far, far away, and a trip forward to wherever the galaxy may be taken. A year ago, at Adepticon 2018, Fantasy Flight Games, led by game designer Alex Davey, released Star Wars Legion, a tabletop war game that we have all come to know and love. It released with Luke Skywalker, Rebel Troopers, ATRTs, Snowspeeders, ATSTs, Speeder Bikes, Stormtroopers, and Darth Vader, the Dark Lord of the Sith himself. Shortly thereafter, we experienced releases on a monthly basis. We got Leia Organa, Fleet Troopers, General Veers, Snow Troopers from Hoth, Han Solo, Rebel Commandos from Endor, the Bounty Hunter Boba Fett, Scout Troopers, Han's c- companion Chewbacca, Wookiee Warriors that weren't even in the original trilogy that we got from the prequels. We got Emperor Palpatine in combat form himself. We got his Imperial Royal Guard. We got FD Blaster turrets along with E-Web Blasters. We got Imperial Specialists and Rebel Specialist packs. We got Priority Supplies, which gave us more objectives. We got Jin Erso from Rogue One, along with her trusty Pathfinders. We got Director Krennic and Death Troopers. And soon enough, we're going to get the X-34 Landspeeder, the Occupier Assault Tank, Rebel Veterans, Tauntauns, Shore Troopers, and Dewbacks. And last, but certainly not least, we got the Barricadas expansion, made famous by none other than the Legion Outriders. All of this took place in the time span of the last year, with the help of Alex, Alex's Legion partner in crime, Luke Eddy. Fantasy Flight churned out a startling amount of content and support for our game. Turning to the present day, at Adepticon 2019, we saw the first fully-fledged genesis of this amazing game in its release schedule. 64 players battled it out in the last chance qualifier for spots at the High Command Invitation. Then, 32 players that had qualified for the from the inaugural Year of Legion battled it out for spots at Worlds at High Command. Now, only 8 remain, and they're going to battle at Worlds in a few months' time. Almost every unit that was released was seen on the table during these events in full glory. Diverse and creative strategies have sprung up amongst the tried and true. And now we get to reflect on everything that has occurred over this amazing year. We'll be splitting this episode into two parts. And for the first part, we thought we'd bring in the Dark Lords of the Sith. In the words of Master Yoda, always two there are, no more, no less. So we've got Alex and Luke here, uh, Alex Davy and Luke Eddy from Fantasy Flight Games. Um, so uh, first off, I kind of want to like get you guys to introduce yourselves just because I'm sure that there's a lot of people that are probably super pumped about the Clone Wars announcements and might just be jumping into the game for the first time. Um, so could you guys just kind of introduce yourselves and give us a little bit about who you are, uh, your background at like FFG and you know what you do on like a daily basis? Go for it, Alan. Oh, sure. Um, so I am Alex Davey. I designed the game. And I've been with FFG for God, almost seven years now, I want to say. And yeah, I've been in the minis department for most of that time. So I've had my hand in X-Wing and 
Armada and and uh, now Legion. I'm all about those Star Wars. How about you, Luke? Oh, me? Well, uh, let's see. I've been at uh, the I studio mean, for, what, two years now? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Worked uh, a bit longer at uh, FFG's flagship game store. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I don't know, I've been on Legion the whole time, but I feel like I've had small helping hand in certain other Star Wars properties that we work on. But uh, I don't know. I uh, played FFG games for a long time. Played a lot of their card games. Did a lot of playtesting for those. Ran a lot of nets. Yes, ran <laughs> the hell out of those nets. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah. And I don't know. Um, I think that's me. So yeah, we're uh, we're basically a dynamic war game designing duo. Mm-hmm. Uh, just you know, basically the, the dream team. I would say. Yeah, I would agree. With that. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of see you guys as like the Sith lords behind the game a little. Okay. Bit, you know? Oh, really? So that, Luke eventually is no. going to betray and destroy me. I was hoping. I was hoping he wouldn't. Oh, you wouldn't. That's think. what he told us in our interview before. Damn! Uh, I knew I should have listened to your podcast. That, you know, right? <laughs> it's not that good. Don't worry. <laughs> it's, your, it's your own fault. It's your own fault. <laughs> um, well, so I have that to look forward to. But yeah. hopefully, we get some good years of Legion designing. In oh first. yeah, no, we, we've got a ways to go first. Don't worry about it. You know. <laughs> at least, at least three or four, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Sweet. So. Um, uh, we've been focusing a lot on, on the podcast up to this point uh, about, you know, Legion and like how the last year has gone. Um, so I, I was interested uh, to know what, like, how did, how did Legion come to be a thing? Like, um, you know, when I first got into minis games, like the, the one thing I wanted to do was like, have my dude with a laser gun also have a laser sword. And cause like Star Wars is awesome, but like, I had to spend 20 years before you guys, you know, finally came up with it. <laughs> Sorry about uh, that. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Um, but like, but like what was there like a trigger that happened that, um, you know, kind of just catalyzed that or was it just something you guys came up with? Um, well, I, I think I can speak to this just a little bit. Cause I remember um, when we first introduced the game, we had a series of, um, videos that we shot Mm -hmm. sort of talking about it that uh pretty nice videos and uh the head of ffg uh andrew navarro talked a little bit about how um i don't know it's something we always wanted to do Mm -hmm. as a company um but we needed just to i don't know get to the right place where we knew we could do it justice i guess it hit something some sort of minis game had been kicked around for a while i know that there were certain iterations here and there some sort of you know more traditional video game or i mean uh, a miniatures game but um i think it just sort of required us to i don't know like accrue enough hobby focused nerds in in one room well and, and maybe and i think to garner enough experience on sort of minis games light so to speak yeah i think x-wing paved the way i mean i think oh, that certainly. was that yeah. was such a big hit that it just was sort of the natural next step to eventually do a full hobby mini game we just had to had to get there in terms of bandwidth and capability and, and well, expertise and, and all that stuff. Sculpting wise, sculpting. Yeah, yep. we had to get our sculpting department had to be in a place where they could handle some. I mean, like X Wing ships, we do great X Wing ships. Mm-hmm. Actually, does an amazing job. But like, I mean, all the X Wing ships are one person doing them. Yeah, true. And he does very, very good. Like, it was you know, two solid for, it was surface two for a while. but yeah. it's been pretty much one. So um, the bulk I, of the game. I mean, as we did more and more board games with miniatures, I think we expanded our sculpting department more and sort of hit a point where, like, all right, we could tackle an actual 
miniatures game that's not just like um, hard surfaces like ships and things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a whole different skill set to sculpt organic shapes versus yep. um, planes, essentially, um, mm-hmm. and angles. But um, yeah, I think for, for me, it was something that I wanted to do for a really long time. Um, I was thrilled when I was uh, given the project. Um, I think they could have gone with a lot of a lot of the talented people at the company, but I think um, I probably had the most miniatures game experience at the point at which I was given the gig, and and I was super thrilled because a lot of what brought me into miniatures gaming in the first place was all the hobby stuff. So the idea of being able to do uh, a hobby focused game set in a Star Wars universe, I mean, I wanted that as much as um, anybody out there, just the, the idea of having those miniatures to paint and, and build up. And every time I see a new product announced, I just get excited because it, it looks so good and I will eventually get to hold it and paint it myself. Mm-hmm. So that's a big part of what's exciting about it for me. Yeah. I think it just, it, I think it was just time, you know, I think it was always something we wanted to do and everything finally lined up for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you did, I mean, almost all of it. You're by yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's actually and, true. Uh, well, when, yeah. when I oh was my God. <laughs> when I was brought on, I think when I was like officially hired, I think the first thing you said to me was like, "Please help me." <laughs> I think it might have just been, "Please help me." At that point, like, oh, I was so tired. Um, yeah, it yeah was that was a yeah. well. It was an endeavor. It was a crazy year because at the same time we were doing um, not exactly the same time, but yeah, there was one a after the other. Huge amount of overlap with X Wing Second Edition which I also really wanted to be involved in and, and was. So I, that, was, that was quite the year for me. But then Luke came in at the like last three or so months of development, I want to say. Yeah, I don't think it was quite three, but yes. Was- but you, t- you helped me take it over the finish line because I, yeah. like, I was just about burned out at that point. And it well, was just nice to have some, some backup. It was, it was pretty much done. It was, just a it lot was of, almost done. There was a lot of substantive tweaks yeah. Yeah. Yeah, at the end there. But that was, yeah, once once we had the core rule set, like ever since then, it hasn't, it's been pretty smooth sailing in terms of uh, expansions yeah. and where we want the game to head. So, yeah, it's been a real partnership ever since the kind of core game got locked into place, which has been really nice. Yeah, it was kind of funny. I mean, you you had worked on uh, the core set and mm-hmm. then what we referred to as Wave 1, which right. was um, the, the airspeeder, the yep. ATSD. Veers, layers, uh, fleet troopers, and snow troopers. Yep. All of those were worked on simultaneously along with the core set. Yeah. And uh, when those wrapped up, you basically switched to X Wing. <laughs> That's and right. I, was like, I did. All right. I? All designed <laughs> Han Solo and Boba Fett. And the, the, That's true. And the commandos and the scout troopers yep. and all that. So. Yeah. Uh, so there's, yeah, it worked out. Worked out all right. Came in clutch, <laughs> clutch time basically. Yeah, and we've needed pretty much almost two full-time people on the game ever since because it's been just full speed ahead. So Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you guys have released so much in this first year. It's really... Tell us about it. <laughs> I, I mean, like, I, I, you know, at this point, we've talked a bit about it on the cast, but it's just, you know, as I was, like, listing out all of the units that you guys have, like, released or previewed at this point, it's, it's an insane amount of stuff. Yeah. pack in one here. <laughs> yeah from from every i think from every standpoint from a development standpoint from a sculpting graphic design art all of that stuff but i think one thing that we realized as a company that i think was really smart is that a game like legion needs a ton of support right out of the gate because it needs to feel fully realized it needs to give you an idea of 
the kind of really amazing stuff you can do if you collect a whole army and play with it. Um, so I think it, I think it needed that injection of rapid content to get good momentum behind it. And I think it paid off, like having seen what the turnout was at Adepticon and how into it people were and how much work people had put into their armies and, and terrain and all that stuff. I think that having a kind of Blitzkrieg release schedule was, has been really good for the for the initial push of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and an amazing turnout at LVO too. That was yeah, fun. totally. I was not there, but I saw pictures and I heard it went really well. It mm-hmm. was fantastic. Um, so we've had like this really crazy release schedule. How are you guys feeling? Like, has Legion outperformed your guys' expectations? Has it like is it what you thought would it be? Yeah, is it what you thought it would be? Um, like, I don't know. where it's do you feel to... like the game is? Um. I don't know. I think we always had high expectations. Um, I think um, I think it has outperformed them a bit. I would I would say so. Just yeah. in, in terms of the community enthusiasm. I mean, yeah. like it's not very often that you have a game that is barely a year old have the kind of support and excitement that we saw at mm-hmm. Adepticon. So. I would say, I mean, honestly, though, the second this game was released, it started outperforming my expectations because when it came out at the previous Adepticon a little over a year ago, uh, what blew my mind is they had a build and play tournament where people literally got their pre-ordered Legion product, built a core set and some expansions and immediately played a full 800 point tournament. Yeah. Like literally two hours after the game got released. So I think that as soon as I saw that happening, I was like, oh, this game's going to do fine. Like if there's that much pent up excitement for a, for this kind of game in the Star Wars galaxy, I was like, okay, we, this is, this is going to do, this is going to be just fine. Yeah. Uh, and it has been, it's been really great. It's been exciting to see how much it's grown in such a short time. Yeah, I would echo that too. Like more than anything, it's the community that has blown me away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's really it's really a positive community, and like so many people are putting so much work into uh, blogs and podcasts, blogs, uh, podcasts, and, and terrain tables, painting, yep. organizing. Um, there's been numerous independent campaigns and leagues started. I mean, people are just taking the ball and running with it, which I think is great because I have always seen Legion as kind of this um, toolbox that lets you sort of live out whatever sort of Star Wars experience you want. Like I think custom game modes, um, scenarios, linked games, like there's all kinds of cool stuff that you can do with the fairly simple um, rule set for terrain and for units that I've provided. So it's cool to see people get creative with that. And it's just cool to pe- get, see people get really into the tournament side of things too. Yeah. So with all that, I guess this is a two point question. Number one, what has been your favorite thing watching the community develop? And then what has been the most surprising thing that developed in the community? Hmm. Let me think about that. Um, I, I guess I would say, not surprising necessarily, but maybe a little surprising from the community. I would say, yeah, okay. So I would say the the most surprising thing from the community has just been the level of some of the train that's been built for this game. Mm-hmm. Like people have, and I guess I shouldn't have been too surprised because Star Wars is such a 
um, you know, honestly, hobby focused fandom. You've got cosplay and detailed diorama making and action figures. And like, that's been part of Star Wars fandom since the go. So in a way that that this game is kind of a natural fit for that, because Mm -hmm. people who are already interested in that kind of uh, creative expression can now, you know, build whole like battle boards and, and display boards and all kinds of stuff that fit with the minis we're releasing. So I guess I shouldn't have been surprised by how much creativity and stuff there's been out there, but um, some of it just blew me away. Like there's a, there's a HVC workshop did like a whole Jetta table. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. That is mind blowing. I mean, it looks like the movie set, you could probably film some scenes on there using it as like a picture. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's like, to me, that seemed like almost wet a workshop level yeah. bigotry work. And that was really cool. But like great armies, the terrain at Adepticon was phenomenal. There's been a lot of creativity with, um, you know, 3D printing and people home building all kinds of custom stuff using old Kenner toys. Yeah. It's just it's like all all kinds of creative stuff out there. Yeah. Well, and I would say sort of on a different level, too, one of the things that's like really been awesome to see for me that's been, you know, something I guess we hope for and has exceeded expectations is the level of engagement on the other end of the spectrum of people who are completely new to minis gaming. Like seeing people do their own terrain who are like, I've never made terrain before and I'm making two entire tables for Legion, you know, or like some impressive stuff. Yeah. Someone did like a whole crate dragon buried in sand and and they're like, this is my first terrain piece. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. whoa, Mm -hmm. or painting for the very first time because of Legion. Yeah. So that's, that's been really cool to see. Like people, getting into minis gaming for the first time ever because of Legion. Cause I mean, cause Star Wars is awesome and they're inspired mm-hmm. by that, that IP. They love it. And they, you know, are just feel compelled to try their hand at painting and try their hand at terrain building, which are sometimes daunting tasks. So that that's been really awesome to see that sort of engagement among people who are new and more casual. Yeah. And I've I had that happen to me at Adepticon. People would come up and tell me how much they were enjoying painting or building terrain like the hobby side of things and one person was like yeah it's just it's like my zen meditation i just sort of (laughs) paint i'm like yeah i can relate to that if you can get into hobby work you kind of focus in on that and and it is sort of meditative in that way so yeah it's been really cool i think it's it's opened new doors for some people and for other people they were just kind of like poised and ready for this to hit, oh, yeah. like, hit the ground running like as soon as the game was announced you had people mm-hmm. crafting entire entire plans for like a whole battle table or, or more so there people were waiting for this game for a long time i think or or at least a game like this uh in in the star wars in the star wars milieu if yeah you will. kids kids need their star wars yeah they need that yeah so uh it's a really exciting time Right now, to be involved in Legion, you guys just previewed Clone Wars uh, a week or so ago at Adepticon. Um, while we're talking about the hobby aspect of the game, can you just talk about like where you're going with uh, the modeling and the sculpting and you know the hard plastic and all that? Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, Kylie complimented me earlier on the the stuff we announced today, and like I know you know, that stuff gets passed along to our sculpting team and they put a lot of work into what they do. Mm-hmm. And they, they've they noticed that people are complimenting and noticing that, like, you know, as we do each wave, it seems to get, you know, it does, it gets better and better, really. 
Well, yeah, I think that's one of the great things about Fantasy Flight is they hire really talented people and really talented artistic people don't stop getting better True. once they have a position. So, yeah. you know, um, the sculpting department just keeps improving. They keep learning. They keep trying new approaches. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, I think that it's Iterating. it just continues to pay off. Like every single wave looks better than the last one, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we're getting into some really cool interesting stuff now with do backs and tauntauns and mm-hmm. that kind of silhouette I think is really exciting. Yeah. Well, for an I, army I think, that you're um, collecting to have all this variety. Mm-hmm. No, and that's star Wars for you. It's yeah, totally kind of variety. No. And you can tell too, like, I mean, our, our sculptors, like they love working on it. Mm-hmm. Like uh, our sculptor, Rob was ecstatic to work on do backs. Yes. Like, he knows more of, like behind the scenes, <laughs> like facts about do backs yep. now than probably anyone yep. on earth. Um, well, he, he seeks out like all kinds of resources you wouldn't necessarily even think of from like right. 1970s magazines that detail the costumes and unlike old, right, or like old props and old stuff. prop databases. And like he trained as a, thinking he would do sort of digital animation mm-hmm. um, for, for movies and stuff. So he has this kind of film background that's that Corey kind of, too Corey too yeah yeah yep. a couple of guys in our sculpting yeah so they sort of know they they kind of are also not only interested in in sculpting a an accurate depiction of you know whatever star wars element they're also interested in like well how did this armor come to be how did mm-hmm. this particular creature come to be mm-hmm. and they'll figure out how they did it on a large scale which kind of informs them oh well this was some sort of you know, fur thing that they, you know, stapled to a saddle. And that's why it looks like this. That gives them a sense of what it actually is in, you know, in the the real world as a real prop. And then they can Mm -hmm. translate that into the digital sculpt as well. So that's been really interesting to see how incredibly deep they dive on some of this stuff. Yeah. Well, and I think the other thing we've improved on, and you've seen this is um, pose work too. And I think that really started to like, you really saw that in wave, uh, well, the Rogue One wave. So, like the, um, the Pathfinders and the uh, Death Troopers have more variety, in sort of like their poses. Um, you know, they're more tactical, um, they're more dynamic, and we've, you know, continued to push that going into the Clone Wars and stuff. You know, that's something that the sculpting manager uh, Derek is very conscious of. Um, like Boss, for example, has a great pose where it's sort of. He kind of has an, an S to him, kind of how he's standing a little mm-hmm. bit. It's sort of a reptilian uh, sort of arch in his back a little bit. And yeah, so uh, that's definitely, yeah, something that we always look towards. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I, I just look for it to get better and better, I guess. Yeah, having seen what is coming, I can just say with utmost confidence, Leiden is going to look really, really cool mm-hmm. in the next couple of years. So you mentioned um, the... Uh, tauntauns and the dewbacks and all the all the artistic elements um would like to now detour a little bit more towards where these units kind of fit into i guess the broader constellation of legion's design um so i wonder if you could speak to uh the role you see these units filling how sort of their mechanics came to be um yeah yeah i can talk on that a little bit yeah Um, take it away luke did most of the work on wave five which is the Short Troopers, Rebel Veterans, Dubaks, Tauntauns, yeah. Bosk, and Sabine. Yeah, so um, from the get-go, and people know this a little bit, it's sort of this uh, kind of a, I don't know, Tauntauns are Rebel speeder bikes, and a Dubak is an Imperial ATRT. A little bit, but I think that was just in, sort in of an like initial. Broad exactly, perhaps. that was sort of an initial starting point, but then it diverged from there. And so 
Um, I don't know. Designing for Legion is this, I don't know, it's kind of a weird balance. Tell, tell me if you feel this way too, Alex. So it's this weird balance of like, you know, things we want to do mechanically sort mm-hmm. of to like give factions sort of their identity mixed with this sort of like, well, it's, it's in Star Wars, so we got to do it, you know, and we got to do yeah. it justice. So, Well, and then, then there's those sort of areas of creativity that open up to us that aren't exactly something that we see in Star Wars, but that's been sort of extrapolated on. And, and, and what I mean by that is like, um, even starting with the ATRT, but I think in particular the Landspeeder, which of course is an iconic Star Wars vehicle. It's Luke's mm-hmm. Landspeeder. It's one of the first things you see uh, on a planet in the films. Um, but the way that we've kind of reimagined it, it is like, well, what if you didn't have access to too many resources, but mm-hmm. you still needed to fight against an evil empire? How would you go about, right. you know, kind of jerry-rigging some sort of solution to that? And then I think also the Tauntauns, obviously we see... Uh, Luke and we see Han out on patrol as scouts. Um, Han at one point dismounts and and you know um, fires a, a pistol from kind of a, a dragoon situation. But you never really see like Pistolero, right? So you Tauntaun to riders, right? Like cowboying it up. Yeah. And I think that was really cool to just be like, well, if you did have these creatures, how might you use them in a like scouting battlefield kind of way. Mm-hmm. And then also just like how sweet would it be to have cowboy looking pistol wielding. Yeah. It'd be awesome. dudes on giant snow lizards. Well, and actually, I mean, to be fair, <laughs> uh, rule of cool. Yeah. Definitely, rule of cool. Uh, comes into play a lot. Absolutely. No, I think, um, I mean, rule of cool drives so much of star Wars. That's true. Like so yes. much of that. All those, those films are just like, well, mm-hmm. why is this happening? Cause it looks awesome and is awesome. Mm-hmm. No other reason. Like, it's pretty much most of Jabba's palace. Yeah. Why this? Because it's going to be awesome. It's true. Well, I mean, and then, you know, well, how, how do Tauntauns and Dubex fit into... Yeah, know, mechanically, because like, we are, we well, are they gaming. Look, they we look are awesome. Game here. Right. They look awesome. Well. We have to do them. Um, but I think they actually played into it pretty easily because, I mean, the Tauntauns are, um, you know, the Rebels kind of needed something that could... Um, alpha strike a little bit and flank a little better. And, um, you know, they don't have as many, much access to range four weapons and mm-hmm. Tauntauns don't have that, but they do have speed that, um, you know, rebel vehicles don't usually have or rebel, rebel support units. Um, and then the dewbacks, it was kind of a natural fit too, because the empire tends to be more tanky, um, absorb mm-hmm. more hits. And so that fit with the dewbacks, we played that up a little bit, um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I um, it was sort of a balance of like, well, um, they should do a thing that fits the faction, but also like, let's just represent these how they should feel. In the yeah, game. and I also think they bring something you know not necessarily new to the table, but something important to the table, which is more uh, potent melee options. Right. Uh, I think that that a big part of the eventual game of legion is going to be this really interesting balance between well how many melee units do i need to bring because what if i run into a bunch of tauntauns what if mm-hmm. i run into vader what if i run into um dewbacks or you know what have you uh, rural guard wookies whatever um the more sort of interesting melee stuff is in the game the more that becomes a dynamic tactical part of a standard game of legion but i think we're already seeing that a little bit more with um royal guard and wookies i know that i saw a lot of those units um at adepticon i think part of that was because they're effective units but i also think that part of that is that they're an effective counterpoint to powerful pieces like luke mm-hmm. and i think tauntauns dubax that's just 
another option in that realm. And I think that's going to change up people's strategies as well. Yeah. So actually that's a fair point. Cause um, like those units could have been designed just with a more ranged focus mm-hmm. role in mind, mm-hmm. but we intentionally played up their melee capabilities. Um, one, because that gives you a melee option and a slot that there's not a melee option for now. And so it fleshes out like, more of what you can do if you really want a fully fledged melee focused army. Yeah, the you, only the only slot that does not have a, a real melee capability is is heavies. Well, and core units, I would say. But yeah, that's true. I mean, they're, but they're, yeah, that's yeah. fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Um, but that's at fair. the same time, too, um, it also gives players more um, ways to field them because if there's if if a stripped down melee only option is viable, say for the two back, right? Like. Uh, Which that, it, that, I think it that's is. That's an option. Actually. That's another viable yeah. option. And then you add in the different gun options, and it multiplies, yep. you know, what the unit is capable of doing. Um, and that's I think that drives a lot of design philosophy. Is you know we we design a lot of options not necessarily with like each of these is like the best mm-hmm. or like we just designed the one that's the best. We you know give players a lot of options to experiment with, and hopefully they're mostly lateral decisions where a player may choose one or the other based on the role that they want to play and their own personal play style. So, for example, the Dubak has a whole bunch of different guns, and putting you know one gun on there versus another, you know, say the flamethrower versus the range four weapon, mm-hmm. that significantly changes what you're going to do with that. Or even if you field it with no gun. Yeah, no, that's very true. And Relentless is a nice option because that's, gonna, that's going to have extra utility with a gun but is not required. Yeah, Relentless is gross. It's good. I mean, there's a reason it's only on three different <laughs> three units at this point. It's true. It's true. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. strong ability. Yeah. Yeah. We did fool around with it, not having Relentless at all as an option on there where it just had charge. Um, but then in that situation, we found that um, you really weren't using the ranged weapons exactly. at all. Yeah. When you could like just move again and get into melee, why yep. would you even shoot? So. so I think the trick is that their ranged weapons are solid, but not overwhelmingly strong no i mean the so Tauntaun you one just is quite choose, good it is but it's only range one to two but yeah and it just lets you choose the tool for the job mm-hmm. sometimes you want to be in melee sometimes you want to be skirting the edges doing a little more ranged work so mm-hmm. it's cool i think they're really flexible i think they look great you know just in terms of the miniatures so i very we'll, much so i think we will see quite a few of those uh so wow that was a ton of great insight and just, <laughs> just such a for being so forthcoming with that um, now, uh, we saw a, an article drop today about the Shore Troopers. Um, people are super excited about that. Um, can we can we hit the Shore Troopers and the Rebel Veterans? I know it's you know, these are unreleased units. Obviously, you can't give away too much. But um, do you think you could take us through, uh, you know, a similar, you know, walk through your philosophy behind these units and, and you know, what roles you see these new uh, cores filling? Yeah, yeah, I can. We can do that a little bit. Um, I think the really the only good thing timing that, uh, on that announcement, actually. Yeah, no kidding. This <laughs> is great for. Did uh, not realize it was going to drop today. Um, no, I think the the only thing that really hasn't been spoiled about those guys is exactly how that uh, detachment works, right. the separate gun. So we'll sort of keep that under wraps a little bit. But I know people have been asking a lot, like well, oh, he, trying he, to figure out what like rank it is. Mm. And I made a comment on the fifth trooper about running an army that had a particular group of units in it. And I mentioned that I had three E-webs. Uh-huh. So I think you can put two and two together that these detachments are not supports. Right. Um, and it'd be weird for us to give them no rank. So, you know, I, I think people can figure out what rank they are. 
Yeah, um, and that that that's yet another option in terms of what sort of you know foundation do you want to build your army on? I think yeah. it's that's one of the reasons it's important to have a lot of core choices um, to choose from because I think for a very long time after the game was released, if you're rebels, you're like, oh well, I'll just bring rebel troopers with Z6s. That's my core. Right. Three of those. Done done. Stormtroopers. Or six. Storm, or six or whatever. <laughs> yeah, or like Stormtroopers with DLTs. Yeah. And sometimes you brought them without guns. Some, maybe once in a while you brought one of the other weapons. But I think, you know, Snowtroopers helped make that a little more interesting, as did Fleet Troopers. And I think Shore Troopers and Rebel Troopers even more so, because they're the sort right. of more, they're the they're the elite end of your basic soldier. Right. Um, you know, more highly trained, more efficacious, mm-hmm. more expensive. So you can really kind of start your army with three core choices based on what you want that group of, of um, units to, to be doing. Do you want right. a cheap, cheap filler so that you can bring more elite special forces stuff? Or do you want a more viable basic unit to be able to kind of handle themselves right. in the way that rebel veterans and short troopers can with better mm-hmm. attack dice more? Yeah. So yeah. And some of the, to that point, some of the design philosophy behind them was um, the points difference between the rebel troopers um, and then to their next upgrade, the fleet troopers, same with the stormtroopers to the stormtroopers have been sort of this like, you know, one point per mm-hmm. mini, you know, upgrade. And so we wanted to continue that. And uh, I think a design philosophy we've both had is keep the core unit simple. Yes. Uh, not sort of the not backbone difficult of to play. Exactly. Straightforward. So um, part of like from the get-go with the short troopers and the rebel veterans is to just slightly increase their stats. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the uh, short troopers uh, roll the same defense die, but they have a black die for offense. Mm-hmm. Um, so they sort of break that, you know, mold of like, oh, you know, the, the um, Imperials have slightly worse offense. Um, and then similarly with rebels, um, you know, they, they didn't change their die. They kept just their white with a surge save, but they upgraded to, um, black with a surge for mm-hmm. offense, similar to, you know, that's what the, um, rebel commandos roll. Uh, and then from there, it was a matter of, um, sort of giving them one other little, well, I, I should back up. The other thing they have is access to training. That was also yeah. a, a very, like, from the get go, was like, oh, yeah. You know, not a huge difference, you know, because we're trying to keep it within this just like small points increase. Mm -hmm. You know, that's something that's not like a huge substantive difference, but it gives you different army building options. Uh, And then from there, it was coming up with uh, like a interesting keyword for each. And again, keep it simple. So the the rebels playing into dodge tokens, imperials Mm -hmm. playing into um, aim tokens. Uh, But then the complicated part. (laughs) <laughs> was designing those detachments and uh sort of the genesis of that was um that was the sculpting yeah our sculpting department. manager derek was like we got to do that cough gun like it's too cool we can't not, this is our only <laughs> opportunity to do it and we're like all right fine derek we'll do it we'll figure we'll out how to make it, it work um yeah so that definitely took some testing and then for the the short troopers too we're like all right well you know we, we're doing this sort of parody between rebels and imperials uh at least in terms of like what rank options we give them uh, not necessarily gameplay, but rank options. So we're like, all right, we're, we're going to do something for them, of course. Um, there was no obvious thing. So we threw on some ideas. And we're like, well, you know, I mean, we did make up this mortar launcher for the ATST. There's no reason someone couldn't put that on the ground and mm-hmm. fire it. So so we went with that. And um, yeah, and then that sort of evolved into um, 
this, uh, I think the articles have hinted at they have some sort of fire support capability. Um, and then on the, uh, the troopers then, the, um, the shore troopers and the rebel veterans, uh, we needed something that sort of like um, um, helped solidify the pairing between the two that you wanted one with the other, um, hence the coordinate keyword that they have. And what's fun then is that those actually translated very well to how we want to design the clones and the droids. Yeah, and I will say too, that's another, the, the short troopers and rebel veterans in particular are another example of seeking informa- uh, in, inspiration from the source material. Mm-hmm. Um, both of those units are seen in a very defensive role, essentially defending a base. Uh, particularly the Battle of Hoth, that's obviously a um, gritty last line of defense while the rest of the force evacuates. And then, of course, the shore troopers are protecting an incredibly important Imperial installation. I thought they were just on vacation. Well, those are you're thinking of the, the Jimmy Buffett troopers. Oh, right. Those actually, guys. those ones are mostly posted to Margaritaville, as right. I recall. Yeah, that's right. Um, we're still working on yeah, that's probably several waves. We shouldn't talk about that. We can't talk anything more about that. We've already said too much. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, they're they're defensive. So emplacement troopers are something that we created already. We wanted to find a way to support those. Yeah, we wanted um, to do more of those. That was always something we wanted to do more of and, and, and do more to support. Uh, so it sort of became natural to tie all those disparate elements together and what you end up with is a more elite trooper that can be more defensive that does require a little bit more hands-on use uh in terms of they they really shine when they're actually issued order tokens yeah, they want those order tokens which is something we also wanted to do for core units like hey mm-hmm. maybe they should care about this and right. get a further benefit from from getting orders mm-hmm. so i think that all kind of came together um into the package that is the short troopers and the rebel veterans. And I think they make for a different style of play and they're very interesting in that regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, as Luke was saying, that sort of um, set the stage for a lot of the stuff we ended up doing with, with the clones, because it's where it's, it's one thing to have fire support on a little emplacement, right. Contribute its shots to a, a pool of um, attack dice. But it's quite another thing when you have an entire uh, army that's, capable Man, of that the fire support on the clones is it's mean. really good it, it's tricky to use it yes. really well and it takes a lot of setup but it can really push through a terrifying amount of damage and what it lets yeah. you do is it lets you uh break through hard cover uh it lets you you know maybe catch a jedi flat-footed without a dodge token and, and truly punish mm-hmm. that unit um it basically allows you to pull your firepower into one more devastating attack. And if you can do that at the right time, that can be very, very potent indeed. What's also great too for um, units who are possibly going to go down before they can activate. Right. Go ahead and get it off with uh, another unit. You combine their shot into another one. Yeah, and it makes makes stragglers much more useful. Suddenly, Mm -hmm. if you have a unit of just two troopers left or one trooper, at least they can chip in a little bit Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of... Um, combining those dice, whereas otherwise you'd probably just be bowling for crits or trying to grab objectives or yeah. do something else with that unit. Yeah, so it was sort of funny that uh, we, and then so fire support, and then along with um, coordinate, the other, um, so it, 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 just to clarify, yes, we are saying that the emplacements 
that come with the short troopers and the the uh, <laughs> the rebel veterans have the fire support keyword. Oh yeah, because I didn't uh, read the articles it's, yet. It's so okay. I don't, There's nothing. I don't know they don't what's... know anything else about it. They know how many points it is. <laughs> okay. I think they know is the upgrade spot. Is that? Do you know, guys? Is that on there? Can people see that? Um, for which one? The emplacements. We well, have. so the the emplacement <laughs> card isn't actually on the article at all. Yeah, it's just like a oh, little thing like underneath okay. it, so you can see like, <laughs> you can see how many points it is, and like that it has three weapons. But I think I people have figured out at least that it's a separate yeah thing at this point, right? So. But anyways, so we're just spoiling right now. They have they have the fire support keyword on them that you saw. Yeah, on the there you go. Yeah, a little spoiler there. All right. Um, so uh, yeah, but it was just serendipitous that yeah it this worked keyword out. that we came up with fire support for these emplacements worked amazingly well for a like a base keyword for mm-hmm. the clone troopers. Mm-hmm. It played into their sort of their theme, their strategy. And then similarly, the coordinate keyword um, that was added to the shore troopers and the rebel veterans to create that synergy with the emplacement uh, was the perfect keyword for what we wanted to do with the uh, battle droids. Where, right. You know, they're, they're very, they're, they are, they do not perform as well if they're not given orders. However, they have this daisy, daisy chain effect where you don't need to order every single one. As long as you order one of them, they sort of, as a group, are given orders. Yeah, for sure. And it, the Legion's funny like that. It just sort of builds on itself. Yeah, well, and I think credit where credit is due. I have to say, like, as a developer for Legion, one of the best things has been, like, the system that Alex came up with where so much of it is keyword-based and you can just sort of, you know, in a lot of situations, just copy paste and Frankenstein stuff together and be like, ah, oh, this gunslinger keyword on, on Han Solo is, is sweet. You know, uh, Sabine should have that too. And there you go. Done. You're, you know, most of the way done with Sabine. Well, not most of the way, but yeah. So it's, <laughs> so it, it's a very good system for, um, you know, sort of, uh, um, reusing elements. I, I think sometimes it might, um, and certainly at this point in Legion too, it can seem a little daunting, you know, looking at that 68 page rule book and be like, oh, I got to, I got to know all these rules. It's like, it's not really, you only need to know the keywords in your own army. And within a faction, you're going to see a lot of the same keywords over and over. So, you know, and you're not going to see all of them at once, right? Like there's no way that you can construct an, I mean, I, I, I'm sure that someone like Nick Freeman or, <laughs> or, or Kyle might pick up and run with the idea of like, what is the mathematical most keywords that you can get into an 800 point army list? Oh, I, I bet uh, Discord could figure that. Yeah, out. Yeah, someone's going to figure that out. But regardless, it's not that high, right? You know, it's manageable even if you get the most number of them possible into a single list because mm-hmm. you can't play with the whole, the whole everything that's been released at the same time. So I think that helps mm-hmm. quite a bit. Um, yeah, I'm I'm happy to hear you say that as a developer because. Part of the way that I designed Legion was very deliberately as a, hopefully a kindness to future developers <laughs> because I worked on first edition X-Wing for six years, five, six years. A long time. A long time. And I could just watch that design space erode away before mm-hmm. my eyes. So one of the things with Legion is it does have a lot of little levers you can pull. It does have a lot of different ways that you can build on the core rules and that's absolutely by design because i am very hopeful that this game is going to be around in 10 years longer um and for that to be a realistic possibility you have to have room to grow Mm -hmm. and you have to have a big foundation and i don't think i think we've pretty much barely scratched the surface like every as long as every wave we kind of keep, keep thinking of new things and and by going to new factions too i mean 
you can do the same thing in a different way. And it is still interesting because it brings new tactics to the, to play. Mm -hmm. And then you start getting all the myriad possibilities of, well, this faction versus this faction, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. So I think just as more things come out, I think it gets more intriguing in terms of what kinds of games you're going to actually see on the tabletop. Mm-hmm. So uh, speaking of keywords, there were a lot of new keywords <laughs> in the, in, on the short troopers and the veterans and also on the dewbacks and the tauntauns. Can you talk about it's not that many new keywords? <laughs> <laughs> it was, what do you think it was a, do you think it was a unusually keyword rich wave? Do you think it's what? So, okay, here, let me, let me, let me, Quiz you, Luke. All right, what? What do you think the wave with the most new keywords in it is? I think probably wave two, where you get, yeah, uh, yeah where you get Han and mm. Boba and the Scouts and the um, Commandos, and then the yeah. two emplacements. Yeah, you're probably the right. two new emplacements because yep. we came up with yep. new emplacements. The emplacements oh, yeah, there's, have there's all there's new keywords, and setting and repositioning. Yeah, right. It's and wave sentinel. two. Yep, and then the wave two the saboteurs sure. had to have right. two different. Yep. Oh, not only new keywords, but like a whole you had big section of like, rulebook. Yeah, area effect yeah. weapons. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Two for that sure. That was a tangent. Um, Kyle, <laughs> what was your actual question? Oh, um, well, I oh, yes. Yeah, so there's some keywords. I was just curious if you what could talk about any of those any of those <laughs> fancy new keywords. Uh, yeah. Well, I think um, I think people can see um, all of them in the the article except for the RAM keyword uh because it's a weapon keyword so it's only Mm. visible on the back of the tauntaun um but i will say this it it does um reward you for going as fast as possible yeah yeah getting into yeah the tauntauns are all about moving yeah they're all about well being a speedy cavalry exactly yeah and so um it's interesting uh i i'll talk about agile because that was an interesting one it's pretty simple on paper but um it is. Uh, I know a lot of people have been comparing Tauntauns to speeder bikes, and justly so. Um, and speeder bikes do suffer a little bit from uh, just um, uh, a sharpshooter being a hard counter to their one cover. However, um, they always have it, whereas Tauntauns only have those dodge tokens if they go first. So right, it's a higher, it's a higher out, number, yeah, and and you know, in in some ways more powerful, but you need to keep moving and you can't get caught flat footed. Right. So if you can activate before Tauntaun unit has managed to double move, which mm-hmm. it obviously will, you get the opportunity to fire at it with pretty much no, mm-hmm. no defenses. Cause the other thing that uh, I know Alex mentioned before that creature troopers don't gain um, any cover from having suppression tokens. And yet right. they still they're, take they're, they're too big. They can't get behind uh, incidental pieces of terrain they can't throw themselves flat they can't right that that mechanic take cover the yeah. way that an infantryman that can. mechanic represents just sort of ducking down correct sort of trying not to get hit but getting shot is still nerve-wracking it's still going to affect your abilities contents don't like being shot at no out. no i mean they are apparently more trained but uh no, nonetheless so far, they've so got two courage that's right but, uh yeah yeah, so so you still have to play with the panic mechanic. Yeah, so they can still be suppressed. Um, you don't get that sort of infantryman benefit. Didn't I um, didn't I panic some of your tauntauns off oh, of sure. board in one game? Yeah, they're very fast. Yeah, so if they, they start, not, if they do panic, if it's they not start to run. Well, I think you didn't you drop my commander too. I think it was a whole whole. I think it was that, a whole chain I think of that unfortunate was events. Was the game where I was I playing 
Correct. Three three shore troopers, three of the mortars. Oh yeah, that was just suppression three, city, three wasn't it? Three webs, three yep. no, not three death troopers. Yeah, that Multiple. was so we do stress tests of the rules as you should, and one of the ones that we were trying was like how much yeah, all how many suppressive weapons is too many? Is and, that and just weapons in general. And the Empire can do a lot. You can have it's almost their all MO. suppression weapons. Yeah, but I think it's very manageable. I don't remember how that game turned out, but I, I know it wasn't a total it wasn't total like no and that was one of the things <laughs> <laughs> i mean poorly for my tontons ran away yeah. i don't remember who won it wasn't like an Probably absolute you. shutout yeah no, it was pretty no. reasonable but we did see some tontons run away yes um it was a tactical retreat it was a tactical retreat they'll be back but yeah you get you know krennic in there just wanted his... to build up some momentum for that ram keyword exactly yeah gotta yeah <laughs> gotta what one direction stop and run the other direction yeah well you know here's the thing i sent them off the board i think Five or six months ago. Oh, they're, they're on their way back in now? In six months or so, they're going to come onto the table during one of our games. Oh my and goodness. they're going to destroy your entire army. Hypersonic speed. That's right. It's going to be like that scene in Last Jedi. Sounds about right. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess uh, going back on track, I don't know. Uh, what other keywords could we talk about on there? Um, critical. Critical is a good one to talk about. Oh, that yeah, one's critical really, is all new. Very right, simple. I forgot about um, that. All it does is let you change X surge results into crit results, mm -hmm. which is very useful. And it's especially interesting when you splash that keyword into units that don't have surge, either on the offense, well, on the offense specifically. Mm -hmm. um, so if you use fire support, for example, to throw a weapon into the pool that has critical, say with shore troopers and mm -hmm. their accompanying mortar, all of a sudden you've actually increased your offense potential, not only by the extra dice that you're adding, but you know, any surge you roll now can be turned into, or at least a couple of surges that you roll, depending on how much critical you have mm -hmm. can be turned into hits. And that's going to take your offensive ceiling even higher. So that's a fun keyword, especially when you're talking about combined dice pools. Yeah. It was an interesting one that um, I don't remember necessarily what the Genesis of it was, but I think when I hit on it, it became a sort of like, Oh, this seems sort of obvious. You know, like, yeah, things don't normally surge to crit, but what if it right. can in a limited capacity? Well, I think I th actually I think I remember how this happened. I think what happened was the um, mortar teams. Oh yeah, yeah. So right. here, I remember exactly how this happened because the mortar teams had surged to crit at one point. Yes, because and they, like, they, yeah. they they only roll a few. I mean, uh, they only we'll just, roll three. We we'll just keep spoiling stuff. Yeah, sure. It's three, it's, three white dice. It's, right? Yeah, it's three white dice. Yeah, it's, it's like the ATS team mortar. Yeah, exactly. So for a while, they had surged to crit, and that was fine when the mortar was firing on its own, but I was like, well, this kind of disinclines me to add this mm -hmm. pile of dice to a unit of short troopers because I'm actually reducing the uh, effectiveness of those dice. I'm adding three white dice without surge. Is there a way that we can not lose the benefit of surge to crit if you're adding it to a unit that doesn't have it? Right. And so I think that was the genesis of, well, we can just make it a weapon keyword. Mm -hmm. And then, it, you know, not only do we have the ability to add surge to crit to units on sort of a, a limited basis, but we can also control the amount, mm -hmm. you know, and then you don't get into a situation where just because this auxiliary thing is adding to the dice pool, it hasn't turned all of your surges into crits right. in the way that sort of frag grenades does. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's a way that we can do it in a more controlled fashion. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So I think that was, that was pretty much, that was a pretty classic, like 
Luke and I <laughs> bit of design back and forth because we're able to sort of zero in on what we like and don't like about each other's designs and sort of come up with these kinds of solutions to mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Well, and I think um, part of the reason I think it really took off too, well, I, you're going to see it in the future. We'll just, <laughs> just say that. It's a very useful keyword to put on things. Critical? Yeah, critical. Yeah, it yeah. is. But um, <laughs> it's this interesting sort of, um, it's simultaneously better and worse than impact um, in a weird way. It's not guaranteed, but mm -hmm. a crit up front is better than a crit later. A crit up front will get you through cover. I'd um, gladly pay you Tuesday for a critical today. <laughs> I see. Well, you only have a uh, one in eight for those. <laughs> Uh, well, I guess one in four, if you count the natural one. True. But uh, it was useful, too, because it also um, was a soft counter to um, dodge tokens. Yeah. Which dodge tokens are dodge very Dodge and, and heavy cover. It gives yeah. you a reason to lob a mortar shot because now you're rolling three dice. Each of them has a one in four. You have a decent chance of rolling a crit. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then even if you don't, it's suppressive. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that, that helps make it a little bit more of a threat, even if you are all tokened up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's good too on units um, that don't surge at all because then you're mm -hmm. like, oh, I don't feel so bad when I roll surges. Now. Right. Exactly. And I think that's part of, you know, not to get too deep into Clone Wars design philosophy, but that's a lot of what happens in the Clone Wars too. Like, I know that I, in in terms of the, the clone and droid armies, I deliberately steered clear of surges in general on mm -hmm. offense and defense. So that when you do add the capability of getting those surge, either through, you know, the new surge token or a keyword like critical, mm -hmm. it's all the more important. Right. And I think that's that's fun design space to play in. I think we started doing that in uh, in this wave, but I think we really started digging into it more in the the, the Clone Wars factions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So can you talk just a little bit more? I mean, you talked about fire support and coordinate, but can you talk a little bit more about the Clone Wars factions and uh, the, design, the design philosophy behind them? Well, yeah, I think I think just to expand on it just a tiny bit more without getting uh, uh, too spoilerific, <laughs> it is it's it's like Legion building itself up. It's it's um, seeing the utility of of keywords like fire support and coordinate, and seeing what you can do with slightly tweaked trooper types because we've now seen creature troopers we've seen emplacement troopers uh you're going to see clone troopers and droid troopers as well um and that's just a, a chance to to shade the standard trooper template in a slightly more interesting way i mean being a clone trooper has its uses it's it's better than being just a regular trooper um they are trained together they are of the same genetic material they are their whole life is bent towards one goal and so they have this sort of unparalleled uh teamwork and uh you know uh ability to understand how each other are thinking um and that expresses itself through game mechanics like being able to share surge tokens and dodge tokens and aim tokens and even standby tokens they're watching each other's back much more closely than the the normal trooper is capable of doing and that's also expressed through, you know, all the clones having fire support. So they work together and they work as sort of one unit, much more so than a group of disparate individuals from all over the galaxy do. Yeah. Well, and I think maybe just to, to clarify for people, too, who hadn't watched the, what is it, uh, whose interview were you on on Adepticon? Was that Fifth Trooper? I was on Fifth Trooper, and I, I also just did a... a a panel. Yeah. So for people who haven't listened to that, anybody's questions. Um, the clone trooper subtype allows you to spend the 
Surge, Dodge, Aim, or Standby tokens. Yes, all green tokens. Other friendly clone trooper units mm-hmm. at range one, I believe. Yes. Yeah. And so that's great. I mean, it means you can take a dodge even if you don't think that unit's being going to be shot at. Mm-hmm. It means if you roll well, you can choose not to use the aim token and save it for a friend. Mm-hmm. It means if you have a single surge token in the middle of a bunch of different clone units, they anybody who rolls a surge on defense or offense can benefit from that. Mm-hmm. It just it it really you don't have it's no wasted tokens. A lot of the times you will throw a token up and if it doesn't get used by the end of the round, it just gets wasted. Yeah. With clones, it is very rare that you ever have a squandered sort of token action. Um, yeah. So yeah, that, that's a lot of fun. And then coordinate was a perfect, as we discussed before, keyword for the droid army, where it's like, you know, if they're not getting orders, they're kind of falling apart. Mm-hmm. But if they are, they're all the same programming. They have a linked neural network of sorts. They all know what the plan is, as long as that plan is actually transmitted. Yeah. But the flip side of that, of course, is we needed to create a new keyword that was like, well, if these guys don't get expressly told what they should be doing, mm-hmm. they have no idea what's going on. They'll probably just shoot at stuff in a yeah. sort of haphazard fashion. And, so, Well, and I think um, you get to enjoy the sirens in the background too here. Yeah, welcome to Downtown Minneapolis podcast listeners. We got the sound, the dulcet sounds of the final four fans yelling in the street. We've got uh, ambulances trying to push yeah. their way through final four traffic. Fun times. Uh, yeah. um, it's real urban living here, yeah. Luke. Yes, it's true. Yeah, the heart of the city. Mm. The sounds of sirens. Yeah, <laughs> the sounds right. of sirens, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess uh, a little more backstory on uh, the Clone Wars wave. We were talking earlier about how um, Alex was helping out with X-Wing 2.0, getting mm-hmm. that off the ground. Um, he came out of Legion retirement to work on I did. I, I took Wars. a little hiatus and let Luke run the show. Exactly. Well, we tested everything together. And like we you did. Said, we always iterated it. Um, yeah, but, I was never fully gone. Yeah, so really, you know, you give give Alex credit for all the new faction stuff. But, give me credit for everything. Well, but except for this, I do have to say, <laughs> my two, my, I gave just two very, I think, substantive contributions to Wave Six that I'm pretty proud of, and one was the AI keyword for the droids. Yeah, that was just like, you know what? This is the one thing I want to see on these guys. Yep. Make them dumb. If they're not dumb is it? They need to be dumb and they right. need to be bad and there needs to exactly. be a lot of them. So we start, and yes. they need to be efficacious on the tabletop. Right. Yes. This I, think, is true. I think we got there. Yeah, I think we did achieve that. And then the other thing too was the um the the um clone keyword of sharing the because mm-hmm. you had given them the clone trooper subtype. You know, for basically future use as like, oh, you know, this I wanted to do something issues or only know, clone I didn't troopers know what or something. It was. Yeah. So it's like Alex, you can't just make a keyword with no rules attached to it. And I was like, watch me, Luke. You <laughs> so, know my life. So I, I actually, it was, uh, it was kind of fun. I, I, we actually asked our testers for ideas. Yeah, that's right. They gave us some interesting ones, and we sort of, I read through those and synthesized them, and was like, you know what? How about they just can share tokens? So. And it worked um, great. Like we just we tested it, and it was like, yeah, this is it. Done. I, I love playing with great. clones. Yeah, because it just it has this subtle wrinkle to it mm-hmm. where you, yeah, you don't feel like you're wasting tokens. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes you make interesting decisions of like, oh, I want to keep these guys together. You know, and standby is so much more important. You have you have a small activation 
army. And so you need something like a standby token that's going to be more useful. Standby is very interesting, being able to share that token, letting one thing stand by so that something else can use it. One of the big problems with standby is, is taking suppression and losing it. But you can have a unit of clones behind full cover mm-hmm. still watching out for their battle brothers right with that standby well, behind line of sight absolutely yeah. and that's su- that's super handy mm-hmm. yeah it turns out uh-huh um but yeah i don't know from uh i guess maybe to go back to your question a little bit from a broader perspective i think um what you're generally going to see is that the clone army is um they're elite units mm-hmm. um even more so than the empire i think the empire is this sort of like the Empire is durable. They're not necessarily going to put a lot of hurt out. Right. They're more elite than, say, your average rebel trooper, but right. they're expendable. Yes. Clones are expendable too, but man... Only to a point, though. They are so much more trained. And, and then, yeah, it, it, it hurts a lot more when you lose a clone trooper. Right, it does. Because it hurts a lot. They're much stronger and you have so few of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I think you're going to see that in other ways in the faction too, where their special forces are only going to be even more Mm -hmm. elite. Um, You know, their heavies are going to be similar to the um, uh, the Empire, Mm -hmm. where it's sort of bigger machinery and that sort of thing. You know, I already see with the Bark Speeder, it's sort of like, it's a beefy speeder bike. Yep. Um, And then with the Droid Army, um, obviously, you know, Horde army comes to mind, mm-hmm. but it's mainly sort of a horde army. I think in spirit more so. Uh, it's I would classify it as a min max army because on one end of the spectrum you have these battle droids that are dirt cheap, but on the other end of the spectrum, like your commanders are generally going to be pretty expensive for unique yeah, characters. Yeah, General the, Grievous is not cheap. The few we've designed so far are very elite, right. which is an interesting contrast to their droidicas to their too. Droidicas are droidicas are strong, yeah. strong and expensive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think you're going to see a lot of min-maxing with the um, the Separatist Army, and then with the um, the Republic Army, it's going to be a lot of elite guys where you're fewer activations, but they really count. They really hit harder. And from a hobby perspective, just to, I think the clones are going to be a great intro army. Don't have to paint a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. They are in armor with closed helmets, so that is a nice, mm-hmm. straightforward paint scheme. So I'm hopeful that a lot of people get into the game through the new core set and get into the hobby through the new core set because mm-hmm. I think that the the clone warriors are going to be a very accessible force to start with. Yeah, I think the the new armies are a slight step up in complexity from the original two because of the droid mechanics, yeah, and because of the the token sharing and the the fire support, but they're not um, vastly different for sure. No, but they're different enough that they, I think that they're going to be. I think they're going to be an interesting addition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sweet. That's awesome. <laughs> that was a lot. That was a lot. A lot to take in. <laughs> yeah. You know, you feel free yeah. to jump in. Yeah, you, can, yeah, you just, guys can. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, we no, can, we're good. We can, we can babble. <laughs> just keep talking. We'll hold out the mic, right? Uh, so, uh, just to kind of like, I guess, uh, that, that's a lot of really good information on the clones and the, um, the droid army. So I guess kind of swinging it back to, you know, this year and everything that's happened, um, you know, we've also seen a lot of uh, organized play. You know, we've, we've had LVO, we've had Adepticon, had the Nova open, yes. we've had Gen Con. We're going to have worlds coming up, which I think everybody's really looking forward to. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's going to be super cool. It's going to be a very like, 
small scale thing, I think people are going to get a, a, a very complete picture of things since there's only what eight eight people right at the so. whole tournament. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's going to be a lot of fun. You really get to know players on a individual basis. Will be very cool. It's Legion All Stars. It is. It's it's yeah. yeah you're it's going to be interesting. You're have Kyle there, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Kyle, and I think. Um, Nick Freeman is another uh, prominent community voice. Mm-hmm. He's going to be there. Yeah, um, and some people I haven't met LJ, yet. LJ, and then, yeah, and a lot of people we've never yeah. met. So that'll be cool. Um, so I guess uh, our next question kind of is geared towards, and it, this might not even be your guys' department, but, um, you know, what, do you guys, are you guys in the conversation as far as, like, what organized play is going to kind of look like next year, like afterwards, and, and kind of, like, what the shape of things to come in that, region of the spaces i'm I'm gonna mostly defer that to the organized play department especially since they're under uh brand new leadership with some really exciting ideas but yeah. i will say uh organized play has always and will always tap the developers of each game to kind of get their input mm-hmm. uh we work together f- in terms of tournament rules we work together in terms of what we want to see the game do. And I think that certainly we are on the same page in terms of the broad strokes of what we want in the future. And what we want is we want casual players, narrative focused players, and competitive players to all have great options for play. Some people just want to hone their game and and be strategic masterminds. Some people just want to have fun stories happen in the Star Wars universe. And to me, a hobby game like Legion, um, that's the beauty of the game. It, it appeals to all kinds of different people because you can really take it in the direction that you want to take it. Um, so I know that OP is going to be very dedicated to supporting all of those different playstyles and philosophies. So that's why we have operations as well as competitive play. And I, I know that that is going to continue as to the exact form that's going to take, I think I will leave that to organized play to announce on their own terms. Yeah, well, and I think, you know, we, I guess to be honest, don't know exactly what some of it is. Yeah, no, it's a lot of it is still being worked on. So I think actually that's a great uh, point because if you have a particular wish or vision or thought that you want to share with our organized play department, Alex Watkins is out there on Twitter, on mm-hmm. Facebook, on our social media. Um, I've seen some awesome stuff that the community has done. Um, they are so open to feedback and to hearing what the community wants. Uh, they would be very, very pleased to uh, to hear from fans. So if you're out there, you have some particular vision for the future, let them know. Throw it out there. Oh, they're gonna they will listen. Me. Mm-hmm. Tell him well, I sent you. Alex yeah. Davies sent me. The Sith Lord. That's right. I'm, I'm That's here at the right. Senate. I'm going to demand my vision <laughs> for Star Wars. I am the Senate. <laughs> Speaking of old memes, yeah. that's what I got. That's what I got. <laughs> How do you feel about the current um, meta? Speaking of organized play, because um, I know, that, of course, Alex, you're at Adepticon. You got to see what people yep. were doing. Um, what do you what do you think about all that? I think it's quite good for a, a young game. I think it's something that we always want to see a diverse meta. I think that having 
players bring some unexpected lists. One of the best lists in the entire tournament did not feature Luke. And I think uh, a lot of Rebel people think that every list begins with Luke Skywalker as the, as this, the first thing they put wrong? in the list. So it's nice to see. I think they're wrong. Yeah, I think there's a lot of different ways that you can I mean, he is very approach good, it. He's very good. I mean, it's not a bad choice by any means. But So I, I thought there was a decent amount of diversity. Obviously, I think that there's room for improvement. Um, I think vehicles are going to feature a little more heavily uh, after the occupier hits tables and the land, land speeder hits tables. Um, well, and similarly, uh, like uh, anti-vehicle. Yeah, so yeah. So I'm, I'm hopeful that it will just continue to remain a diverse and interesting meta. Um, there's always going to be stuff, competitively speaking, that isn't reached for as uh, frequently. But overall, I would say that for a young game, for a year into the game, I saw a lot of really cool options out there. And I saw yeah. people winning with very unique lists and play styles. And that is very encouraging. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think people are taking to the kind of open terrain system as well. I think people are really deciding, hey, this is our opportunity to take this game to the direction that we want. I saw some really great tables at Adepticon and, um, you know, I, I saw a lot of variety in terms of terrain, but I also saw a certain consistency from table to table. They all featured a lot of terrain and they featured really interesting setups and they featured what I felt was like a very balanced setup mm-hmm. in terms of distribution. And that all happened pretty organically. We supplied... I think some reasonable guidelines in the rules reference, but we also left it up to players and tournament organizers to kind of take the ball and run with it. And I think that what we saw was people's willingness to do that and people's ability to um, take it to the place that they want. I think, I I think everybody was very happy with the train at Adepticon, which was a really cool thing to see. So, so I think it's in a pretty good place. And I think that, um, we want to keep it vibrant. We want to keep it interesting. We never want any one list or strategy or commander to dominate. So, so far, so good. So let me ask you this. In all <laughs> honesty, come on, give me your honest answer here, boys. <laughs> Did you see a Sabs list going to Worlds? Did you see that happening? Uh, Triple Sabs no, is a bit of a surprise. That was a little bit of a surprise. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't think they're... Bad. No, they're, they're very it, it's, good. It's a tough choice to take them over snipers. Well, so. I mean, both of those units are clearly very, very good. Yeah. Uh, I did not expect triple saps. I did not. Uh, I, I thought that perhaps one or two sab lists would show up. Remind me who, who's what? It was it? Uh, Daniel Lupo. Sabs? Yeah, that list was crazy. And I think the, the cool thing about that list, uh, I saw it in action a couple of times. Nobody was expecting it, so nobody had any idea how to play against well, it. Was he at? Was he at LVO? You know, was. people were like, "Wait, triple he saboteurs." Was, was this the? Was he playing? It's the rebel saboteur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, yep, yep. yep. I remember him. Yeah. Well, and Better. I think, <laughs> I think the other problem is, is not only is it saboteurs and you're not prepared for it, but he is just so darn good at it too. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to well, be like, that's the, that's the interesting thing about war games, right? That's, that's when you start seeing the sort of avant-garde strategies is when you see someone who knows the game down to the millimeter and is like, I think I see something here that oh. nobody's exploiting yet. Or you're, that's or you're just fun. a big troll. Or you're a huge troll. Like, you know, someone named Nick Freeman. <laughs> you know? I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm kidding. Is he though? <laughs> uh, but no, I think it speaks... Yeah, well, but I well, mean, like once you once you have something effective, like why not have some fun? Yeah, well, and I think I think it speaks to the fact that like um, 
you have to master the basics. Yep. And if you have those mastered, really, you can kind of make anything good. Well, not only I, that, but there's a there's an advantage to the element of surprise. Right. People people practice for events and they practice against and with primarily metalists. Right. Which is why and, and like I've been looking at you know, I've been playing competitive games for a very long time, and I've always been kind of a Johnny player, Johnny Spike player, if you're familiar with that. Um, you know, that, that Those was archetypes. A, that was an archetype sort of cre- created to explain Magic the Gathering players. Johnny is a player who wants to win in a creative way, who wants to do something new. Spike is a player who just wants an efficient list or strategy or, or deck or what have you uh, in order to win. And I'm, I'm somewhere in between there. But I think what's always really interesting is the advantage of a player who's going to do something novel is people do not necessarily know how to play against it. And that can be a legitimate competitive advantage. Mm-hmm. So you you can gain an edge through innovation. Yeah. And I think that's cool to see. That's all, I, I always respect that a lot. And I always think it's really fun. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I've been you know working on Fantasy Flight games for a long time, too. So I've seen that next wing. I've seen that it always kind of uh you know tickles me when something bizarre ends up on a top table Mm -hmm. or in the final eight or whatever it's like okay i know this list and this list because i've seen it a lot Mm -hmm. i know these players are good with it what the heck is this list like playing a heartbeat in the top two (laughs) right no exactly yeah like like i was a netrunner too and i think that's that's fun i always brought crazy X-Wing and Netrunner lists to tournaments that I went to. And I think that mm-hmm. it just gives you that little X factor that's a little bit... But you got to be good with the list. You well, know? yeah, you can't just bring You're something... You're going to go off meta. you got to be good has at to, it. Ha- not only do you have to bring something that's plausible, but it, you have to know what you're doing. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's, that's a big part of it. So, yeah. And then I think even, like, uh, I was pleased <laughs> to see multiple lists running um, the FD Towers at LVO, yep. and one of them being Kingsley's. Um, mm-hmm. Like that was good to see a player who obviously like is just, you know, really keyed into just mm-hmm. fundamentals and just solid basic strategy. Well, LVO, using something LVO, that we uh, saw, a lot of people don't. Yeah, LVO, we saw an undefeated Palpatine list, which then translated into a number of new Palpatine lists at mm-hmm. Adepticon because like people were like, oh. No, I'm so can, I'm can, so happy to see people running Palpatine. You can win with that. It's uh, Papa Palpatine. Papa Palps, old Sheev. Old Sheevy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's no, he's fun. He was a fun one to design. Um, yeah. So I think it's, I think it's always cool to see something different. And I think that uh, that kind of creativity is a big part of why people play this game and mm-hmm. why people play games in general. So that's always fun to see. I am really curious to see what the world finals is going to look like. Cause yeah. we have a lot of different players and a lot of different lists. Mm-hmm. And are they going to keep the same thing or are they going to mix it up? I don't know. Uh, it's going to be really fascinating, I think, and, and so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. What are um, I'm curious to ask you guys? What are your predictions for worlds in terms of mm. lists? I mean, you guys have like almost probably a, a, a better a better bead on the meta in some ways. Yeah, than, probably than we, we do when we keep up on it. But we're not actually <laughs> playing in the tournament, so I'd be curious to hear what you guys think here world's predictions are well I, I don't even know what i'm running at this point but uh <laughs> i think it depends on i think it depends on you know a when worlds is i don't think that's an entirely known right. quantity at the moment um 
Uh, yeah, we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you get any hot tips, you know, let us know. <laughs> Hopefully, we'll, we'll find out soon. I think they're still putting the final details together, but we'll we'll know more soon. Um, you know, because that'll depend on like what units are out. It looks like we may have, um, yeah, you know, obviously the new heavies, and then maybe Bosk and Sabine. Definitely those. Uh, so yeah, possibly Bosk and Sabine, depending. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Really yeah, it's it's gonna. I think so too. Yeah, they're both pretty nasty. Sabine especially is very hard to delete. Yeah, I think um, I think Bosk is more of a he's sort of a Boba Fett side grade poor man's Boba a little bit. He's different though. I mean, he puts out suppression. He has very interesting. Well, no, no, no. He, don't get me wrong. He's different, but and you he always fills have a that, similar yeah. role. But but I think with Boba and or with Bosk and Sabine, you have that potential for a huge turn. Right. With docks yes. and grenades and with explosions, mm-hmm. I think you have this very interesting counter tool to mass activations, which we saw a lot of mm-hmm. uh, and, and we'll continue to see a lot of because more activations is powerful. Right. There's, a, there's an inherent advantage there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But the uh, both of the characters um, bomb cards counter that. Definitely. Yeah. As, do, Mike as do triple saboteurs. I like how Mike and Kyle just totally glossed over Death Troopers. <laughs> they didn't, they didn't, even, they didn't even pause. I'm still salty about my Rebels being completely wiped out to a man at range four by those fucking fire deals. Oh, yeah. Those, in those heavy guys cover, are... by the way. D, DTs are no joke. I think DTs and Krennic are going to be another factor. Like, yeah, those were not available for Adepticon. And also, even though oh, Jin right. and Pathfinders were available, they were not out for long. So I think people there was there was a lack of familiarity and comfort there and i think as people um play with them more they'll be more comfortable taking them to tournaments so i kind of expect mm-hmm. uh one or the other of those units to be uh hopefully to be a presence at worlds we'll see what happens yeah awesome uh i'm pretty excited uh you know to see to see that sort of culminate the first year of at least legion competitive play whenever that happens so um you know this was this was just like a lot of information generally. Um, do you guys have any general thoughts on how you guys see the next year shaking out in a general sense, like where you're taking the game? You know, clearly we're headed to Clone Wars, right? Um, the prequel era, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, you know, how do you guys want to kind of wrap up the conversation in regards to that? Sure. I mean, I I, I can. Um just sort of jump into it because I think that we had an amazing year one, but I think y'all ain't seen <laughs> nothing yet because we have seriously, we have so, not only we have so much in the camp, we have so much planned. I mean, one thing that's really gratifying is the studio is throwing its weight behind this game in a really big way. I mean, we are looking at new factions and four is not the end in terms of new factions. We're looking at, you know, possible, sub factions and just growing this game and offering better sculpts, better plastic, new things for people to get excited about. Uh, We're opening up the door to FFG terrain products with narrative components. The down ATST is the start of that, but it's Mm -hmm. not only is it a really awesome looking terrain piece, it has a two part mission included. And so that's the kind of thing that we want to do. We want to really stretch and grow in every possible direction. So we, I think are going to see an even bigger year than the year we just had, which was, I think a bigger year than anybody expected. So mm-hmm. the game 
is just kind of rocketing forward and, and we're just going to see where it takes us. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. I just echo all of that. But, uh, you know, a lot of people will say like, Oh, you know, when are we doing this character? When are we doing this character? Mm-hmm. You know, will you ever do this character? You know, I think the answer to that a lot of times is just hang in there. Cause like, dude, like we want to see all this stuff in this game too. Oh, yeah, like, I mean, you, that, know, that... you can only do so much at once. <laughs> it's a long list of stuff that we want to make, you know? No, it's so. true. Like we have our own personal, approach to fandom and we have our own personal things that we think are awesome yeah and so that informs what we're doing and we're also not going to forget about rebels and imperials the game started mm-hmm. in the galactic civil war oh, era. there's still so much we want to do for them well there's so much and, and more happening all the time between comic books yep, and new tv, TV shows, shows. Yep. and all kinds of stuff there's a whole new era we haven't even scratched the surface of we haven't really tapped into the clone wars like mm-hmm. the scope of what we could do is immense yeah and the good news is i think we want to do a enormous amount of it like we have right. but we have truly grand as fast as, as fast as we're putting stuff out we can still only <laughs> do it so fast so, yeah yeah so i think you know, i think um don't expect any flagging in the pace on this game but i right. think eventually we'll get to this place where you know n- not everybody has to buy everything but eventually mm-hmm. we'll get to this place where it's like, well, here's Star Wars. Here's this game of Star Wars tabletop combat. What appeals to me? What do I like? Do I, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it can get pretty secure. I think people will be fielding, off the top of my head, Gungan armies or, you know, like Geonosians or specific sub-factions of the mm-hmm. Empire. You know, there's, there's so much that we can do. Uh, if the community sticks with it and if this game is as big as I expect it to be, as stuff we will do, as, as big as on track to be, exactly. It's, it's, the stuff that, it's not stuff that we could do, it's stuff that we will do. It's just a matter of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mic drop. Um, <laughs> so I did, you know, thank you guys for coming on today. You know, it's been, frankly, uh, a real pleasure, I think, for us to be a, a part of the community that this game has generated and to also be able to kind of have this relationship with you guys where we can, you know, have you on and and talk. Um, So thank you. We appreciate it. Happy to be here. Yeah, definitely. No, we want to, I mean, thank you guys too, because like, I mean, you guys are helping drive this community as well. All you guys very much. So, you know, it's a pleasure meeting all of you guys uh, in person at, you know, LVO. That was great. Adepticon too is really cool to to interact with the fans, see where things are at and where things are going. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's great, you know. I mean, and seeing people at uh, Gen Con and then again at LVO too, like having familiar faces. So, like, I mean, kudos to you guys too. Like, you know, you guys are a, a big part of this too. I mean, we make the game, but like, you know, we gotta keep a community going and get people hyped and you know give them podcasts to listen to and blogs and you know unit analyses and stuff like that so like now shout out to you guys really yeah i I mean tabletop gaming the beauty of it is is the people that you meet and the fact that you get to actually interact with human beings face to face it's i think that's what makes it so special and what i'm saying is y'all are special so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> not to get, and not to get too sappy person. about it but yeah it's great you guys are great 
things are great. It is. Yeah. I mean, it's great too that like, you know, I'm just not on a podcast with some <laughs> rando strangers I haven't met before. You know, I've met you guys. It's I've great, seen so. these people in sports coats. Oh. They clean up all right. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you guys for taking the time out of your busy days. We know that you're slammed with all this, all this new stuff. So. Well, it's our pleasure. Mm-hmm. Happy to be here. So that was our conversation with the Dark Lords of the Sith, Alex, Davy, and Luke Getty from Fantasy Flight Games. Uh, the Notorious Scoundrels will be back again next week with the second part of the State of the Legion address. Yeah, and the Fifth Trooper will have a pre-recorded episode where we go over the, the new units, the Dubaks and Shore Troopers, and of course talk about that amazing interview we just had. It was pretty amazing, wasn't it? Oh my god, so much. <laughs> well... Thank you, everybody, for listening today. We really appreciate, you know, the last, like, six to eight months or so of Legion and being on this podcast. Um, We're looking forward to the next year. Um, Hope everybody has a fantastic week until we see you next week. uh, week. Uh, May the Force be with you.